What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast. I'm your host, Felicia, and I'm a lady talking about sex. And this week, we have a very special doctor with us, a very educated and incredible woman. We have Dr. Jess with us. Dr. Jess, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Oh, hi there. I'm a sexologist and relationship, uh, Jessica O'Reilly, and I started as a high school teacher, and now I talk about sex for a living. That's amazing. And what, what was the switch, actually? Because I'm uh, currently studying um, to be an elementary school teacher, and now I'm kind of doing this on the side, so I kind of want to know where you made that career move. Uh, well, you know, I was teaching high school, downtown Toronto, so I was teaching in an alternative school, and I had students coming to me with all sorts of issues, whether it was unplanned pregnancy or needing STI testing or unhealthy relationships, abusive relationships, and what I ultimately saw is that we didn't have the supports that we needed as teachers to address these challenging, sensitive, personal, and really divisive subjects. So I decided to go back and do research in the field of training teachers in sexual health education. So that's what my, my background really focused on in terms of research. And of course, I thought, oh, when I graduate, I'll, I'll work for the school board or maybe work as a consultant with the ministry in sexual health education. And of course, uh, those jobs didn't exist. So I had to start doing other things. So I started writing about sex and talking about sex. And I did a television show uh, on Playboy TV about swinging down in the States. And now that it's really blossomed in, into the brand Sex with Dr. Jess, and now I spend most of my time working with couples, so either entrepreneurs or CEOs and their partners. Uh, and it is really more relationship focused, but we definitely don't leave the sex out of it. That's amazing. Well, yeah, I think sex ed is the, the foundation. And without that, you know, you're kind of going in blind. So I think that that's incredible. And you just came out with a book, The Ultimate Guide to Sed- Seduction and Foreplay. Uh, do you want to tell people like a, maybe a little bit of that and then we can kind of go into, you know, our topic of today, like what is seduction and why it's important to sex? Absolutely. Yeah. So the book is The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay and it's co-authored by Marla Renee Stewart. So we wrote this book together and I'm really proud of this book. This is actually my fifth, but by far the best. Whoa, and, and holy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not just about seduction. It really is about erotic theory and better understanding your own sexual needs as well as your partner's. So we get into the theory, but also there are hundreds of prompts and exercises and really questions for you to consider with regard to your own sexuality. So what what is sex to you? What are the emotional components that matter? What are the physical components? What are the spiritual components? What are the relational elements? What are the practical elements? Um, how do you want to feel during sex? So we, we really delve into all of the theory that we think people need to explore in order to have happy, healthy, intimate, and sexual relationships. That's incredible. And I think that that's such an important book for especially women to pick up too because you know we're so conditioned to think sex is a certain way and you just explained how you know how many like psychological elements they are there are to it to actually have a pleasurable and um just positive sexual experience so I kind of want to ask you just like from the basic of it like what is seduction and what does that mean is that solely in the bedroom or is that something that can translate to like dating and and uh, just like everyday relationships 
Well, I mean, I think sex and seduction ultimately mean different things to different people. And it's really up to you to determine what their definitions are. And, you know, seduction and foreplay, for example, may be one and the same. They might overlap. They might blend into a seamless experience of connection of pleasure. But one of the challenges is that because of pickup culture, so many of us have come to associate seduction with manipulation, pressure, swindling, uh, really about getting what you want. But this is not our version of seduction. And we know that, you know, it's not, it's not our readers either. Seduction ultimately is about getting more of what you want, but also giving more of what a partner or partners desire. So seduction could be the way you look at one another in the morning. It could be the way you touch one another. It could be the way you make one another feel. It could be, you know, a love note in their, in their briefcase or in their purse, or it could be something a lot raunchier than that. So we really try and explore uh, the multiple facets of seduction in the book. Interesting. And why is seduction so important to relationships? Ooh, because seduction is pleasure, because it is really the anticipation of that dopamine release. And we spend a lot of time looking at why seduction is sex in in and of itself. It's not a precursor to sex. Often we talk about foreplay as though it's something you do to get to the main event. But what we have to remember is that everybody's main event is different. You know, from a heterocentric perspective, we think of sex uh, as a penis going into a vagina. But for so many of us, that's not the combination of genitals in the room. So, uh, you know, when you are anticipating pleasure, you get a boost in dopamine. So that chemical associated with pleasure and reward. And that boost in dopamine is higher when you're anticipating the reward than when you actually receive the reward. So the more you build desire, the more you cultivate anticipation, the more exciting the experience becomes. That's incredible. And do you think that that correlates to, because I know typically a lot of women, especially heterosexual women, have or need more seduction and foreplay to become lubricated and for like the clitoris to kind of engulf in blood. Do you think that that has a direct correlation to seduction? Because I'm in university right now and a lot of university guys don't think that seduction is that important. And then that's why me and my girlfriends have really interesting sex talks. So uh, do you think that those two definitely correlate? Yeah, you know, of course it's important for women, but I really do think it's important for people of all genders and we just don't realize it. In the absence of comprehensive sex education that really explores what, you know, what sex looks like in terms of pleasure, most of us turn to porn. So when you talk about people who are just trying to get to a specific outcome or a specific main event, it's oftentimes because porn is their model of sex. Uh, you know, it's just kind of wham, bam, thank you, man, go on and on and on and on and on with penetration. But in real life, that's not what gets most of us off. And so I think, yes, of course, seduction is important to women. And, you know, it can be emotional, it can be physical, it can be relational, it can be about the connection. But the research actually shows that uh, straight men desire that build up just as much as women. They may just not know it yet. <laughs> That's really interesting. How, what study was that? And, and what did they look at? And how did they get a bunch of straight men to say, like, I want to cuddle and make out before? <laughs> That's so interesting. 
Well, there, there are multiple studies around desire for various sexual activities. So there are studies looking at the fact that men want to cuddle as well, that physical affection matters to men. There are studies looking at desired duration of foreplay. And, and of course, you know, from the porn model or from rom-com models or basically stereotypes rooted in the gender binary, we tend to assume that women need more time to get warmed up and it takes us a little more effort to get in the mood. And that can be the case, but that is not necessarily the case. Again, when you start looking at the data, the desire for foreplay uh, can be similar regardless of gender. And I think it also changes over time and changes in relationships. And we have to remember that sociocultural notions of gender oftentimes dictate to us how we should behave. So sometimes we behave how we believe we're supposed to behave in order to fulfill stereotypes of gendered performance around sex. So for example, young men might might believe that they must always be raring to go. They must always be in the mood. They must be the aggressor. They must always want sex. When in fact, human variation, regardless of gender, is just so incredibly complex and diverse. So let's say I'm, I'm a, a young man who really wants an emotional connection and gets a lot out of physical affection uh, and maybe isn't always in the mood to just have casual sex. That, that maybe that's my uh, you know, desire inside of me, but sociocultural norms say, no, man, to be a man, you've got to want it. You've got to try and get laid. You've got to go to the bar. Your only goal should be you know, getting somebody to come home. So those um, you know, gender stereotypes also rooted in, in sexual orientation and, and these heterosexist ideas of what masculinity looks like can affect the way I behave. So in fact, our behavior does not always reflect our desire until we take time to really get to know ourselves better sexually and know that we don't have to fall into a specific mold or a, a specific way of being in order to live up to some sociocultural and very rigid boring standard of gender and sexuality. No, I think that was so well put. I think that's awesome. And I think as kind of a heterosexual woman, it's something that I am trying to figure out in my partners, but I find it's hard to communicate. So what would you say is the best way to start these conversations? Or do you think this is like a personal journey that people have to do entirely on their own? that I can't kind of pluck out of a partner that I have? Um, no, I think that you can do things together. I don't think that you need to be this, you know, completely um, all-knowing or empowered or, you know, person in order to have a happy or meaningful sexual relationship. We're always learning. There's nobody who knows everything about themselves. And so definitely in our book and also on my podcast, I have a podcast, The Sex with Dr. Jess podcast, we go through some of the exercises um, and I actually do them with, with my partner, Brandon, but some of the pieces from the book that we call seduction instructions ask you to just start jotting down your ideas about about sex and about sexual values. So you can do these on your own or you could simply ask them of a partner, like, you know, how do you define sex? How do you, how do you think I define sex? How, what does seduction mean to you? What does foreplay mean to you? What would you like to learn? What do you find challenging? What did you learn about sex growing up? Um, you know, what makes you seductive? What makes other people find you sexually appealing? What do people find curious about you? Uh, what messages around sex that you were raised with, whether through, you know, the adults in your life or 
your friends in the schoolyard, what messages do you want to retain? Which ones do you want to let go of? You know, what, you know, when you think of your ultimate fantasy, where does it take place? Who is there? What does it look like? How are you feeling? Um, what sounds do you hear? What sights do you see? Any smells, tastes? What, what comes before it? What comes after it? What tools do you need? You know, there really are hundreds of questions that most of us don't take the time to consider. Um, you know, one thing we talk about in the book as well, and this is from Marla, this is Marla's creation, is your learning style. So, you know, just as we develop personalities and styles when it comes to seduction and sex, we also have a preference for learning styles in the sexual realm. So we tend to learn through these predominant means, sight, sound, and touch. So you might be more of a visual learner, a more auditory learner, a more kinesthetic or tactile learner. And that uh, can reflect how you how you enjoy sex, how you want to take it in. So I think there are so many layers um, of discussions that you can have with a partner or partners or potential partners, and it's never ending. So I, I don't think that you have to figure out it out on your own. I think it's just this constant journey uh, on which we all have embarked. That's, that's actually really great. I never thought about um, learning sex through my learning style because I'm like um, – an audio learner, I think that's... Um... Auditory. So, you know, and that's interesting because sounds are so essential to auditory learners. And it's far beyond like just dirty talk and hearing you scream. We know that a sound of a lover's voice can can be a turn on and it actually can result in an increased electric, electrical activity in the skin. And our, our voices are indicative of so many different things. They may, it may There's some preliminary suggestions that our voices can indicate fertility due to hormonal fluctuations that affect blood flow and water retention in the vocal cords. And so, you know, auditory learners love a lot of feedback. They like to hear themselves speak. They like the sound of many voices. Uh, they want to hear what others have to say, even just expanding your vocabulary into language that is uncommon in everyday chatter can arouse their interest. The, the tone of their voice, like a low, soft, deep tone can attract them. Music can be, um, you know, really elemental to, to sex. Most of us are moved by the sound of music, but auditory learners are particularly sensitive and might find that specific vibrations and melodies can have a significant impact on, on mood. Um, and so we also talk about if you have a, auditory learner as a partner, auditory lover, uh, planting sex seeds. So again, this is part of Marlo's portion of the book. How do you be playful so that over time things don't become stale? Like do you sex do you send them sound clips of sex or sexy sounds? Do you whisper in their ear in public? Do you, you know, record an audio clip of yourself doing something sexy? Do you read them lines from an erotic story? Do you leave them a note? Um, do you talk dirty to them? So there are all these different ways you can arouse your partner depending on their seduction style. Pretty much everything on that list, if I were to like fantasize my like most, I don't want to say romantic, but like my most erotic kind of like sexual encounter, or like my dream kind of experience. And most of those were pretty on the ball for me, which is actually really <laughs> interesting because I've never thought about sex from like a, a learning perspective too. And, and I know that, you know, 
Um, your learning style kind of translates throughout your life. But I don't know, for some reason, we all forget sex as if it's like not important. Meanwhile, it's like everyone's favorite pastime. So <laughs> that, that's actually really, really crazy. Um, and it, it goes for all of the learning styles as well. So like kinesthetic and what about visual learners? Like what, how do they kind of interpret foreplay and like what, what gets them going besides just like the, the person there? Yeah, I mean, visual linguistic learners can be responsive to the written word, to flirtatious text. Um, it's really about the eyes, the imagination, making lots of eye contact. Um, you know, a lot of visual folks crave consistent, steady eye contact, and they really gauge attraction and mood by the way you look at them. So you can weave it into your general interactions to stay connected, not just when you're having sex, but throughout the day, throughout the week. Um, you know, even just the background can matter to a visual learner or a seducer or, or lover, you know, cleaning up the clutter can be important because visual people are distracted by busy sight lines. And, you know, you're, you're going to have to compete with those piles of laundry or a messy room. And that's probably not what you want to do. Visual learners also like to listen so they, they can get excited by or even just captivated by because seduction isn't just about sex. It really is about drawing people in, but telling stories in rich detail because visual folks are daydreamers and you can cater to those dreams by drawing out the details of your stories, your sex dreams, your fantasies, uh, all the little things like colors and perspectives and anything that can be visually ima imagined can be, can be really hot. Um, the way you dress, of course, you know, visual people are a fan of anything that stands out. Uh, for the visual lover, you know, it might be about sending a sexy picture instead of a voice note. And of course, uh, you know, when we think about sexting, everybody's afraid of sexting and afraid of, you know, getting caught or the photos being leaked. And of course, anything online, we need to be aware of that risk. But I think it's also important to remember that, you know, we are, our culture is changing. So as long as you're of age, as long as you're, you know, over the legal age, it doesn't have to be the most devastating thing if somebody finds out that you're sexting. And I always suggest to people, just leave your face out of it, right? So, you know, if a photo was to get leaked, regardless of whether or not you trust your partner, it could simply be because they leave their phone around or their phone gets stolen. Just leave your face out of it. There's so much you can do without including, you know, such an identifying part of you. Of you. And, and also, you know, you can have fun with these images. You don't have to go straight to, you know, the dick pics or straight to nudes. Just send sexy images send a close-up so they have to decipher uh what it is same thing with the with the voice sounds you know people say oh can you you know record yourself masturbating that would turn me on okay but maybe you do it under the covers so the sounds are really muffled uh these days because people have been isolating for so long we've been talking more and more about video sex but the intimidation factor of you know getting on camera sending your centering yourself and performing for your partner is something that's just too overwhelming for so many of us so, you know, you can ease your way into this. Maybe you play with yourself on the phone with your partner and it's in the dark and you're off camera and they can just kind of like see the sheets ruffling or they can hear the sound. So there are all these different things you can do. And I do think because porn makes sex look performative and easy, we also feel the pressure for sex to be performative. But if we can just bring it back to pleasure, right? Whether that's the pleasure of intimate connection or the pleasure of touch or the pleasure of orgasm, or the pleasure of not knowing what's coming next. Um, you know, ultimately, 
if we focus on pleasure instead of a specific outcome, instead of what do I look like, instead of how long do I last, instead of how many orgasms do I have, instead of what type of orgasm I ha- am I having, just focus on enjoying the experience, it becomes more, exper- you know, more experiential as opposed to performative. And I think that's important regardless of what your learning style is. No, I, I think that's amazing. And I think that that's so important too, because I think a lot of us enjoy foreplay sometimes even more than actual, the actual sex sometimes. So I, I think that that's super important to kind of discuss with your partner and figure out on your own, but also figure out with whoever you're having sex with. And you spoke a lot about, you know, doing work with couples and entrepreneurs and So what would be some of your best tips on how to kind of bring this up with a partner and how to kind of figure out kind of what their like seduction language is essentially? Because I know the first thing that's kind of coming to mind is like love languages and figuring out kind of what your partner's love language is or like even what your friend's love language is. So I feel like you kind of have to do the same thing for seduction and foreplay. Am Am I correct? Yeah, I think that's true. And I mean, we, we actually do have a, a quiz online. And so I can send you the, um, I can send you the, the links you can put in your show notes, or if you just put in seduction learning style, it'll come up as, as the first option. So you can kind of try to figure out, um, you know, what your learning style is. And of course, there's significant overlap. But I think a really great way to bring it up is to turn to pop culture. Anytime you're trying to talk about a difficult topic and sex in particular, if you can bridge the conversation with a third party, meaning a fictional character um, or a character that's not in your lives, you can say, oh, I love the way she did that. Or I really didn't like the way he approached her there. Or I love the way she walked up to her in that scene. And simply talk about scenes, characters, interactions, what you liked, what you didn't like, what makes you curious, what makes you uncomfortable, and really expand the language of emotion with which you communicate. Because we tend to talk a lot about, I like, I don't like, happy, sad, glad, but we can get a little bit deeper than that. And we spend quite a bit of time on the emotional elements of sex in the book, especially your core erotic feeling. And so when we say your core erotic feeling, we're talking about the feeling you require in order to get in the mood for sex. And we have a number of questions to help you figure out what your core erotic feeling is. You know, do you need to feel loved, honored, joyful, powerful, safe, playful, stress-free, sexy, desired, um, you know, full of energy, vulnerable? What is it you like to feel before you have sex? What puts you in the mood? How do you want to feel during sex? How do you want to feel after sex? And once you figure that out, that's when we can make sex really hot because we get into your elevated erotic feelings. So your elevated erotic feelings are just the emotions that take sex to the next level. And you might find that when you turn to pop culture uh, and look at different scenes, different relationships uh, as a source of inspiration and conversation, it will perhaps make you safe, feel safer talking about a range of feelings. You know, when you watch movies or television or shows, ask your partner how they feel about a specific sex scene. You know, not just do they like it, but probe a little deeper to understand why or why not? Uh, Because most shows and movies ultimately depict sex via seduction. And as you said, oftentimes the lead up to however you define the main event can be hotter than the main event itself. And I I think that's a big part of, you know, the work that both Marla and I are trying to do, which is 
ultimately, let's expand our definitions of sex. If rubbing off is sex, then it's sex. If penetration is sex, then it's sex. If it's oral that gets you off, then it's sex. And, and you know, especially, you know, for people with vulvas and clitorises, putting things inside our vagina is not the most direct route to orgasm. So if you love orgasms, it really is about getting to know your body, getting to know the internal bulbs and legs of your clitoris and rubbing on the outside through the lips in order to get at them. There, there's so much here that I'm learning right now. I'm like trying to regroup my thoughts because it's, it's so great to like, you know, they always tell you like, oh, sex is different for everyone. And, you know, you have to figure out what's good for you. But I love that there's such a good foundation as to like, what is going to get me the best sexual experience possible and I I love that it's so personalized too and there's so many steps to it because I feel like especially young people you know figuring out what sex is for them and what's good for them especially like I'm 20 I'm still new to this I'm figuring it out kind of as I go but I love that this is so personalized and so specific to me and whoever my partner is at the time do you have any like movie recommendations that you would suggest or maybe like good good kind of grounds to pick at or do you have like some that are like super like you would say like I wouldn't I wouldn't kind of bring this up to my partner unless it's like your type of style or do you have any like um movies that you really think accurately depict sex or maybe normalize some of the things that typically happen during sex more than others that's a good question. So a lot of people are talking about the show Sex Education um, and how there are, you know, broader representations in that show. Um, I have been reading and I haven't seen it yet, but apparently the new rendition of The Babysitter's Club looks at, you know, um, gender identity from multiple, from a more inclusive perspective. Um, I, I think that anything you watch, if you can watch it with a critical lens, uh, it's okay to find stuff that really works for you alongside stuff that really is not your cup of tea. And I think that the normalization of, of conflicting emotions or conflicting reactions is really healthy. Um, I'm trying to think what I'm, what am I watching right now? I'm actually watching animal kingdom. Are you familiar with animal kingdom? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, One thing that's interesting about that show is there's not, I guess there's not a ton of sex in it. I feel as though lately I've been seeing scenes of men going down on women. It seems as though there's some sexual fluidity in there uh, because I think the mother has sex with, with people of, well, at least two genders. Um, And, you know, I think any show that depicts different types of bodies and not just in a comedic way. So one of the issues, you know, around sex, of course, is body image and the fact that we are all taught to hate our bodies so that they can sell us things and we'll pay money to like our bodies more. But what we realize is that no matter how much we spend, no matter what we buy, no matter what we do, they're still going to teach us to hate our bodies. And so I'm really appreciative of of sex scenes or just television shows or movies that depict a range of body types, um, not just young, skinny white people, but a broader range in terms of body type and age and race and skin tone. I think those are really important. Um, we are seeing more shows 
that discuss um, you know sex getting boring over time because if you if you look you know historically it's always just been hot sex but people are tearing one another's clothes off but we are seeing more shows that uh, you know show the fact that it isn't always you know it isn't always passion and and excitement and swinging from chandeliers it can be frustrating we're not in the mood all the time it takes time to get in the mood you say something and it puts me out of the mood and i appreciate that normalization because sex does not have to be a 10 out of 10 every single time so sometimes you know a hot dog on the street or a quick sandwich really satiates my my hunger and sometimes i want like a 12 course beautiful michelin starred meal but i don't want a 12 course michelin starred meal all the time so i think we put too much pressure on ourselves when it comes to sex yes get to know yourself sexually yes talk about sex yes dive a little deeper but also know that if it doesn't go right it's not a big deal right if if um you know you have an experience and you end up in laughter or you have an experience and in the middle of it you get turned off and want to stop it's not the last time you're having sex so you know i th- i think that shows that are really demonstrating the range of experiences the good the bad the ugly uh, certainly shows that are looking at consent and the multiple dimensions of consent and the various ways in which power dynamics um, you know affect the way we cultivate consent are, are important and you know there's some really great um, educational podcasts out there as well so I really encourage people to have a listen of course I'll you know I'll plug my own and, and say that we talk about everything from emotional literacy to how to have anal sex uh, everything from how to deal with toxic partners to how to squirt and I think uh, these are important conversations to be having and I'm happy you're having this conversation here as well yeah, it's it's definitely been a, an interesting ride to say the least. Um, but it's the feedback that I've I've received is actually so incredible. I grew up in like an, a mega Catholic home, so I came to university and kind of had this little sexploration of my own, and then started doing this. And the feedback that I've gotten from just women on campus has been so incredible because our our organization tailors to female sexual health. So it's, it's definitely been interesting, but I really like your, your take on how to have these conversations with a partner, because I feel like a lot of young people don't exactly know exactly how to have conversations with their significant other, regardless of gender, and especially being so young and still trying to figure it out on your own. So I really like this kind of movie, um, like the kind of like a movie mantra, you can just watch things with your partner. And then, you know, if there is a sex scene, you can be like, hmm, do I like that? Should I tell them? Should I not tell them? Should I tell them what I liked and what I didn't? Um, And actually, uh, in sex education, I think it's in the first episode, but there's a scene where um, the guy, the lead, one of the lead characters, I don't want to spoil it for you, but one of the lead characters um, can ejaculate. And I've never seen that before ever in any type of de- like depiction of sex in, in porn or in just television. So that was really refreshing. And he also used a condom, which is also something that we don't see enough. So I think that sex ed is definitely a great um, like tool and something that you could casually watch with anyone essentially. Um, but yeah, I, I really love that. And I think that it's it's so important to kind of learn this about yourself and learn how to articulate it um 
especially like at such a young age. I, I really appreciate um, your work and kind of what you're kind of doing for young people or just anyone who's having sex and wants to learn more about themselves and learn more about their partners. Are there any like tips or tricks you would recommend to our listeners are young women. So for particular, in particular for them, what would you suggest for like a young girl, like under 25, trying to explore her sexuality, trying to please herself and please her partners? What would you say to her? Well, ultimately, I, I think focus on yourself first. I think there is so much pressure for young women, especially, you know, in hetero relationships to perform, to be great in bed, to give a great blow job, to, you know, know how to ride them, to make sure that their partner is turned on by them, to be really hot. And I mean, those things are all fine. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Um, however, I wish the focus was more on you and your pleasure and doing what feels good for you because ultimately in the long run there's there's nothing hotter than that and so i would encourage you of course to touch yourself to masturbate to explore self-pleasure and not just for the purpose of orgasm but just for the purpose of pleasure to kind of get in touch with your body because when your body i know we don't love the word perform but when your body performs in a way that you know you in a way that you that brings you pleasure right if you do something that you can derive pleasure from, you start to like your body more and get more comfortable with your body. So I would say, number one, um, look out for you <laughs> um, and be a little bit more selfish. Be vocal. Say what you like. Don't worry about offending someone. And also, I mean, we have to stop emulating porn. Now, if you want to emulate porn, that's cool. But if you feel pressure to emulate porn, uh, I don't think you're going to get off. So know what you like. Know how to reach down with your hand and give yourself what you want. And with a partner, oftentimes people will email me or call into the podcast upset that they can orgasm on their own, but they can't orgasm with a partner. And the reality is often, okay, sometimes it's because you're in your head or you're worried about your partner or there's performance pressure, but sometimes it's, it's simply that you're not doing the things that physically get you off. If playing on the outside with your clitoris with your hand is what gets you off, do more of that. Don't just get hung up on penetration. Uh, and then, you know, Finally, I would say keep having these conversations. Have them with your friends. Uh, they can be in in levity or in part in jest, but you know, talk about what's going on because we we all feel really, I think, stifled sexually. But we also feel not good enough. Many of us feel like, well, I don't, I don't look good enough, or we don't have sex enough, or it's not wild enough, or we didn't have enough positions. But the reality is, whatever you're dealing with, everybody's dealing with any anything that you think is weird. Um, other people are experiencing as well. And then, of course, from the sexual health side, make sure you're getting checkups. Make sure that if there is an issue that you're seeing your health practitioner and you're getting tested regularly. I and think I guess you one, hit home. <laughs> yeah, keep going. Uh, sorry, one, one more thing I'll add is you don't have to have sex either. Like if sex is not something that appeals to you, that's also okay. So some people are asexual. They don't experience sexual attraction. And there are some resources on that if, if you want to learn more about asexuality, because I know folks who experience uh, a lack of attraction or they don't, ha they don't have a desire for sex feel very alone. But if you go to asexuality.org, uh, this is the Asexual Visibility and Education Network. There are many resources for you. And let's, you know, of course, remember that sexuality exists 
along a spectrum. Some people want a lot of sex. Some people don't want sex at all. And all of these experiences can be sexually healthy. So please don't let anyone pressure you into feeling or doing or acting in a way that isn't really aligned with, with who you are. And if you're not sure um, who you are, you know, you're not alone. It's not just because you're young. It's because all of us aren't always sure exactly who we are. So we want to revisit some of these questions about our, our own sexual values. No, that's such an important note that you just made because um, as I've been kind of reading up and learning more, um, there's even individuals who are demisexual and need that bond, that emotional connection to be attracted to someone. So I think that that's such an important note to make. And I love that you kind of give ev everyone the option. It's not just about having sex. It's, also, it's just about doing what pleases you and whether that's having lots of sex or having zero sex I think that that's all okay and it's just up to you to have body autonomy and understand yourself and however long that takes it, I think it takes a lifetime honestly I don't think I know anything and I don't think I'll know anything you know the day I die but I I'm working at it and I think that that's the best we can do as people and just as like sexual beings so I love that. And I think everyone needs to read this book. Uh, I'm so excited about it. I'm so excited to just chat about it with everyone. I'm going on a date this week. I'm going to bring it up to him. I'm going to ask him all these questions. Um, but do you want to kind of plug in, you know, where people can find you, maybe shout out your podcast again, and maybe, you know, your bibliography of five books, which I think is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. You can find me at Sex with Dr. Jess and uh, sexwithdrjess.com. I have online courses at happiercouples.com. And the podcast is available everywhere. It's the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. That's incredible. Okay, I just wanted to thank you again for coming on the podcast and just giving such a, an incredible perspective on seduction and like how complex it is. I think it was so incredible. And I think everyone needs to check out your book, um, The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay. Uh, and I just wanted to thank you again. I'm so excited that we can have you on today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. But if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast and check us out on Instagram at Ladies Let's Talk About Sex for more details about upcoming episodes and future guests. Thanks for listening.